Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Anyway, so this morning it was just so good to be with all of you. I just, uh, my wife and I, we are, we're still like new kids on the block. We we just get to know people. We want to get to know you, and don't be threatened by my look.、Uh, I look serious, but I really have a very tender heart. So, anyway,、uh, my wife always says, "You got to smile more." But Pastor Bruce says, "I smiled a lot, so I feel good about it." Want to once again, I want to thank Pastor Bruce and Terry to give us the opportunity to be with you, and and they're such a precious couple. We just love them. We we the first thing God put in our heart is just to uphold their arms, whatever that we can do. Just really bring an encouragement to them, and just to, just let them know we're come alongside. Let them know that if they need us anything, just tell us. And we are very young; we're only in the seventies. We still had about thirty years to go. My mother always say that because she's ninety-nine. So anyway,、uh, yeah, she is. So anyway, today I want to just share with you. Before I do that, I want to just introduce my lovely wife, Jan. We just stand up and wave so people can see you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And my wife and I, we don't go anywhere without each other. So we kind of like glued together, and two peas in a pod. And、uh, she, she is、uh, she's more of a like a we call it egg. You know, egg is white house white outside and yellow inside. And so I'm more of a banana, yellow outside and white inside. So put us together, we make a good American breakfast. And、uh, so, and she just she loves to live in Taiwan. I love I love to live in the U.S. And so. We ended up we settled in、um, somewhere between here and Guam, so we can see a little bit of America there, see a little bit of Taiwanese Taiwan here. So anyway, this is just to give you a little introduction, so you know who we are. We love、uh, this church. We love every nation. We're very touched by every nation, what they have done over the world, over close to ninety countries, and we also serve the to the every nation in Guam, and、uh, we love the pastor, Pastor Mark there, and、uh, so. Between Pastor Bruce and Pastor Mark, they hold me accountable. So I got two, you know, on each side, and so that's wonderful. And、uh, just the precious, precious leaders that God give it to every nation, and we really respect all of you very much. This morning, I so for, I want to just pick up the subject that Pastor Bruce talked about last week, which is about the Advent. You know, the the you know the first time that Jesus came and the. Second time he will be coming, he will be coming back, and in between time is the time that we are just really make sure that we understand the Advent is to go through what Jesus has brought、uh, on his、uh, on on this earth than than when he was birthed. So we talked about hope last last、uh, week, and we're going to talk a little bit about peace、uh, this week. Now, when we talk about peace, obviously,、uh, I I just I, I I love to be a man of peace, but seems like. Almost thirty, forty years, I live in the restricted country, and there's nothing but peace. It seems like it's a challenge upon challenge upon challenge. I will share a little bit at the end of my testimony that part. But so the, the being a a man, I I love to have peace, but I also know that peace just doesn't come cheap. It comes with the price. And so this morning, first of all, I want to just、uh, share with、uh, you know you all know the scripture, so we're not going to read the whole thing about Luke chapter one verse twenty six to thirty eight. Obviously, that's where Mary had encountered with with the angel. 
And uh, but in that encounter, there's a couple of the uh, scripture here that highlight highlight that you might want to just consider. First of all, the the angels appeared to Mary, and Mary at that time, and uh, was totally shocked. And the angel basically comes to him, comes to her, and just say that you have been chosen. So we'll give you a gift, a wonderful gift, and that gift is that you will become pregnant. Wow, single ladies, how do you like that? You know, your gift is gonna be you're gonna be pregnant, okay? And so just just to follow the thoughts of that, you know, it's very important. You're gonna be you're gonna be pregnant, and so then uh, with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be surprised and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign over as a king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Now, watch 34. Verse 34, I thought was very important. Mary said, but how could this happen? How could this happen? Wait a minute, I'm a virgin. I mean, that the minute I think the angel says you're going to be pregnant, probably the first thing she look at it is, oh no, you know, she's looking at. I mean, I look at my Tommy, I believe I'm going to be pregnant, but but not her. She just said, well, how can I be pregnant? And so anyway, I think at that moment she must be really shocked. I don't know exactly what's going through her, and uh, you know, it could be just first thing. I, it would become to me the first thing was, uh oh. You know, according to Old Testament law, I'm going to be stoned to death because I'm not even married yet. You know, here I am pregnant. You know, even I'm engaged. But, you know, if you see the movie The Nativity, which we're going to do it, you know, normally we do it on Christmas Day, you know, that scene shows that how terrified she was. And she, she knows that she's going to be facing perhaps of being stoned to death. And so, but anyway, she said, how could that happen to me? How could this happen? I am still a virgin. Now it goes down to, and obviously he explained the whole thing and how God would do it, how he, she would be impregnated and all this. And he even mentioned about Elizabeth and Elizabeth was barren, but she was. So the whole thing, angelic being was trying to convince Mary that don't worry about it. Number one, it's God's will. Number two, we have the power to ha make that happen. Number three, you know, you see Elizabeth, that she is such an old age as she's barren, and now she's pregnant. You're going to be pregnant too. So all these to convince Mary that this is good for her. And at the end, this is what I really like about Mary. She answered this. She said, now this translation says, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. Now, Mary says, as his servant. I accept whatever he has for me. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. How many of us today we can say that? As God's servant, I will accept anything and everything that's from him. You know, this thing that really caught my eyes because until you identify who you are, you will not be able to do what he called you to do. You have to know who you are. You have to know, God, you call me to be your servant of the Lord. So therefore, whatever the task you brought to me, maybe the, it doesn't look pretty. Maybe it doesn't look easy. Maybe it looks dangerous. Maybe it looks even impossible. Maybe it looks ridiculous. But as your servant, 
as your servant, I accept whatever you have for me. <laughs> I love it. I want to repeat that every day in my life. May everything you have told me come to pass. That's to speak with such a faith and trust and confidence. May today, as a, we're celebrating the Advent peace, may all of us make that statement in our life to God, irregardless of the circumstances. Now, for the non-Asians, Christmas could be a very challenging time. For the Asians, the most challenging time is the Lunar New Year. So you know, last night she, I shared with one of my leaders about the Lunar New Year. She said, he said that, yeah, this, this, this message has also touched me, but it will touch me more when it comes to the Lunar New Year because they will be facing a lot of the challenges during that time, but they understand Jesus came for. Okay, so I want to just mention quickly about the life shift. When that happens, something shifted in your life. It was shifted at that time. It will make you like, all of a sudden, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do. Just my quick example is that this is just a car situation. It's a small situation. But I was driving down the road. I was coming from the north all the way down to the south in America. And I, I was driving the, you know, I, I like to drive. So that day, I predetermined I'm, I'm going to do 14 hours. I'm going to drive all the way to Dallas. And I was making my way all the way close to about one hour before Dallas. And something happened in the middle of the night. We were talking about that 9 o'clock at night. Four-lane highway on each side. That's a pretty wide four-lane highway. It's supposed to be easy drive, right? And it's dark. So I was having my car, having fun. I was listening to the praise music. And all of a sudden, something, bang, it just hit my car. It just came nowhere. And it's like a black object. And hit it so hard, my car starts swaying. And I was going from one lane to another. And of course, you know, fortunately at that time, there weren't so many cars, nine o'clock, four lanes, you know, and, and so we all spaced out quite a bit. And so therefore I was able to maneuver all the way to the exit, you know, until I get out of the, the highway and, and check my car. So at that moment, I saw my front end, my door is all smashed. I couldn't even get out. I have to go to the passenger side to get out to take a look at what happened. That hit that, you know, I am a kind of like a, you know, many times I just kind of a little bit slow and down. I just say, well, maybe it's some kind of a big, you know, big animal just hit it like this. And so, but long, long, long short of the story is we found out it was the, it's, it's, a, it's a truck, 18 wheels of truck was down the road. And I was just behind that truck and uh, in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden one of the wheels just start rolling down from the truck. So it just rolled, rolled, and happened to be the car right behind him. So it just rolled right towards me. But imagine your life will shift if that tire, huge tire, hit right to your windshield. What will you be? Worse, obviously, you know, to be with the Lord is better than to be here, right? But the lesser, I may be paralyzed or whatever, you know, things will happen. So the life shift may happen. I mean, I have never experienced that in my life. Even when I talk about right now, my, my feet, a little bit, you know, I feel a little bit shaky even talking about it because I was shocked. It was very interesting. That's how God, how real God is. At that moment, I was in, I was in the U.S. Jen was in Taiwan. And Jen kind of like 15 minutes later and called me. He said, are you all right? See, I don't know how the Holy Spirit, I mean, I do know the Holy Spirit, but she knows that 15 minutes, she feels something that's not quite right. She called me. 
she very seldom will do this overseas call just out of nowhere. I say, I'm so glad you called. I said, I'm on the highway. I'm parked on the side. I'm still shaking. What happened? I said, I got hit by something. And so long story short, the life shift. So let's talk about, how about that your teenage daughter sits you down and says, Mom, I'm pregnant. Will that shift your life if that happens? How about your aged, aging parents gets the result that you were, you know, you were dreading, and which is Alzheimer's. And you know, the next 20 years, you'll be caring for her. Would your life be shifted? Now, the most of all, that's what happened to Mary. How could this happen to me? As Mary asked, imagine that being the single girl. Now she's pregnant. She's minding her own business. All of a sudden, the Lord has found delight in Mary and has chosen her to surprise her with a wonderful gift. So this is at a very major shift in her life. You know, as I shared, what would you, what, what would you think that is going through Mary's mind at that moment? I know Mary could be, like I said, confused, nervous, maybe excited, I don't know, fearful, but she would be definitely shocked. So, every prayer of peace is today is, God, whatever that happened to me, let it be, because I know you are in control. That's the peace that God want to give it to us today. So I want to share a little bit about the background, about just the kind of a peace that we're looking for. Because when you say peace, is a general term. Now, obviously, um, I would need a little bit of help to the, the, uh, the, 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 the guy, the person in the back, and have, have me handle a little bit on the uh, uh, PowerPoint on that. I'm, I'm not too good at handling and speaking at the same time. So uh, I appreciate you doing that. So anyway, uh, now we're going to go with the first we call the commander. Commander. First of all, you talk about Joshua. At that moment, Joshua in 5 verse 13 and 14, he was the encounter with somebody. Uh, this pre-incarnate Jesus. And basically he said, that, who are you? Are you for me or are you against me? Or are you for my enemy? And he says, neither. He says, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So therefore, pre-incarnate Jesus already at that time proclaimed that he's going to be the commander of the army of the Lord. Now, every time you see about commander, you talk about this, you always talk about war, W-A-R. Because you just don't be a commander taking care of the kindergarten. You got to be prepared for war. Let's keep that in mind. The another way of seeing peace is the peace is what we said all the time. As you go to uh, Jerusalem, you go to you go to Israel. It's just shalom, 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 shalom. So in the other words, the shalom is the second word that is so powerful here. The shalom really means to fill in the fill in or repair the cracks. So you have something really had a crack and you filled in and you repair. I remember the time that. 
you know, growing up that we have Christmas tree, then one of the things we set it up nativity scene has got the ceramics and all that. And I accidentally, I was a little boy running, I just broke that ceramics. And my mom always reminded me that remember that, you know, you broke that ceramic, you know, that's why we're missing one thing in the nativity scene. I remember that as a little boy and, um, but we need to shalom it. We need to repair the crack. Now, how about Jesus came on the earth as a commander? He's going to go to war because there's something is broken. He needs to repair it. But the way he repairs, he has to fight it. He has to go to war to win the war so that those who are lost can be regained again. Those who are broken can be repaired again. You see, that's something I want you to keep in mind. Keep in mind. One is a commander to the war. The other one is shalom to bring to his fullness again, repair the cracks again, reheal the broken again. Are you with me so far? Okay, keep that in mind. So I want to define the peace. Oftentimes we do definition, we do what is not to understand what is. So therefore, we have three things what Christmas peace is not. Now, this is probably going to change your, renew your mind or challenge your mind thinking a little bit. First of all, we look at peace. It is not primarily political peace. Taiwan's election is coming, and the, the slogan is war and peace. Okay? Now, if we ever think that Jesus came so there will be no war, you look at the last 2,000 years especially in the 20th century. When the 19th century, these people feel that the 19th century, they will say, well, the 2,000 years come, it's going to be the easiest utopian kind of a century we're ever going to have. But we find out 20th century is the bloodiest century. We have so many wars starting from World War I all the way until the end of the, even to 2001, there was, you know what happened in New York. And so therefore, when we think about just because he came, so there will be no war. Well, in that case, Jesus seems like failed. But see, it is not primarily what Christmas peace is all about. Number two, what peace is not about is not primarily about just so-called internal peace. It is not merely just a psychological experience of what we call Everything, everything, zen, you know, everything is going to be hunky-dory. Everything is going to be so carefree and stress-free and, and hakuna matata, you know, it's, it's just, that's not, that's not just getting this kind of, a, ooh, that's not the peace we're talking about. Jesus came for many things, but one of the things he is not, he didn't promise us stress-free. If you don't believe it, just ask Pastor Bruce, okay? He doesn't promise him that he's going to be stress-free. Okay, so what happened is sometimes that stress will come because he himself, it talk about in the Bible that he is the man that with grief, you know, grief, you know, he basically has suffered with sorrow. You know, he himself is not just to come over here so that he can show us that, you see, I'm trouble-free. I have no problems at all. But he said, I'm a man of sorrow. Acquainted with grief. The time you see him was mad and flipped the table. The time you see him wept towards Jerusalem. So he's got all this going on, plus he's carried the 
burden and the weight of the salvation for the world on his shoulder. Can somebody say amen? So Jesus was never what we think that if we just know him, that everything will be hunkerdory. No. See, I believe that Jesus says that it will be in the way that we will have that peace eventually. That peace will come. But in the meantime, Jesus did not come, not primarily, just for that, just for that internal peace. No, what Jesus is not coming primarily just for the relational peace. <laughs> Christmas peace isn't just primarily that everyone just getting along well on the Christmas time. Everybody just forgetting everything that ever happened to each other, and everybody just kind of singing, you know, you know, kumbaya and and. And, and uh, it's, it's just not it. It's, it's not just coming together pretending that, wow, Christmas time. I, I remember we used to watch, I don't remember these movies, and, you know, uh, it's Christmas time. Everybody anticipating Christmas time, but the tensions start building up as, as they're, they're eating the Christmas dinner. And more and more and more, and shouting is bigger, and all of a sudden, everybody just sent it through everything on the table, walked away. I, I don't know the name of the movie, but... Anyway, you could feel it in the, in the table. They're eating this turkey and eating, having a great time. But one conversation triggered, triggered the things that they have never forgiven the other each other. So it just go on and on and on. So what happened is you got to see that Christmas never been that way. It's not just for the political, primarily political peace. It's not for the uh, re, uh, uh, internal peace. And it's not primarily for the relational peace. Relational. So let's think about what Jesus actually said in the in the in the Luke chapter twelve, verse fifty-one to fifty-three. We have that verse. This is very interesting. I, I I look at this verse all the time when it comes to my family. You know, my family relatives. He says that. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. <laughs> he, he didn't come to bring peace. He brought division. From now on. There will be five in your family divided against each other. How many people? You don't have to raise your hand. That you have five in your family, and you have somebody divided. Think about it. I won't raise my hands. I won't ask you to embarrass you to raise your hands. But think about it. Three against two, and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, and son against the father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against the mother. Mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. There's one missing. It never says father-in-law will be against son-in-law. <laughs> so her dad and myself is not included in this verse. Hallelujah! And so it's wonderful. It's just so good. When I read that, I said, Hallelujah! I'm gonna have a great father-in-law because it's not included in the scripture. Hallelujah! And I will tell you the encounter with my father-in-law because that's part of the sermon. So why? <laughs> You know, you read the scripture and you wonder all these hallmark Christian Christmas cars. Have you ever seen a car that included the scriptures in it? Imagine that you go to your father-in-law, your son-in-law, you go to your family, and you tell your father-in-law, "Thank God that you have made this prophecy possible. I want to give you the scripture. You are against me, me against you. That's what Jesus prophesied." Thank you, God. You you you. Thank you. You fulfill that promise. No, you won't do that, right? So what happened is, even though that there's a situation where there's a tension that's going on, Jesus already said that. Why there's a tension? He's gonna tell you that. 
He's going to tell you the tension caused by that. But I want to let you know quickly, in my situation, I have encountered with my father-in-law, or my parents-in-law, I should say, way, way back when we first got married. You know, when you have an interracial marriage, I saw Linda and um, Peter, you know, you are bringing with two cultures together. You try to adjust the two cultures. You normally want to convince or educate your spouse to become part of your culture or vice versa. And during the time when you're trying to encounter all this, you're going to have a lot of situation happen. So one of the things happened to me. So we were invited to the Christmas party at our house, and they have a lot of siblings, so we have a big party. We're sitting around a big table, right? Now, I'm Chinese by birth, right? So I have a traditional Chinese mindset. She's American, right? So she has a different mindset, her, her parents too. So therefore, whenever we set up the table, you know, it seems like her mom or dad just always say, you know, we got all these children, we got all their spouses, always somehow is always, you sit here, you sit here, you sit here. You sit. Now being, I'm the oldest son-in-law. Now, in the Chinese culture, if you're the oldest, you get the most respect. So I imagine, I expect when it comes to the big table, the feast, I will be sitting kind of in the honorable position because I'm the oldest among all besides the parents. So I should be sitting right there in the center or somewhere close to the center. But her mom and dad just put everybody, boom, 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 boom. And two, they forgot about, oh, there's another son-in-law there. So how about you just sit over there? So I was sitting, I was sitting at the table, I was sitting at the little corner here. That was my place. The whole time I was in the corner. And so when I was sitting at the corner, I had to learn to smile. But I ain't me, I was angry. I said, I'm not supposed to sit here. This is a here table. I should be here. I should be close to the center. It shouldn't be that little corner here. But I didn't say it because I'm a good Christian, right? So you just said, praise the Lord. But in your heart, you're struggling with that. And so therefore, the whole time eating the dinner, I never even look what they cooked. I just keep dwelling in that little corner there. Why me, Lord? Why am I stuck in that little corner? You know, sometimes it's just a split the hair, you know, in their mind. So big deal. Everywhere is, is closer to the food. But for me, that's a little corner is disgrace to me. So therefore, when we left the house, this is when we first got married. So we've been married for 46 years. So you know what? I was, I was young and uh, ruthless. I was young and restless. Anyway, so at that time, Jen and I, we were, we were on our way back. We had to drive five hours back to our state. On the way back, I just really let it blow out. I didn't really hold back. I just tell her, you know, your parents, you know, they don't they just don't, they just never like Asians. You know, I just start going playing these racial cards and, and telling all the things that my wife is a darling wife. If anybody have any problem with me, just go to her. She's just so tender. She's loving. She just knows that my parent, my, my, my character, and she just kind of take it in and take it in. And she knows that if she said anything, I would just unload on her. And so I just kind of complaining and all that. She just listen. She said, and every found out every year during Christmas time, that happened the same way. If it's not the first time, I will let it go. But the second time, the third time, it's always, I'm just a corner guest, you know, and never get anywhere better, just a corner guest, you know. And so, therefore, Christmas was never a joy for me when her parents invited us to go back to, to, to go to have the family reunion. I always give an excuse, oh, now let's celebrate 
by ourselves and all that. So you can see that things could happen to you during that time when something happened. Now, with this, you get, you're going to see in the Taiwan culture, it's the same thing. When it comes to some kind of a celebration or Christmas or New Year's, always there is a challenge on your tradition, your background. If you're Eastern culture, you always look at it, well, should I go to the temple or should I not go to the temple? Uh, what should I do? Should I eat the food that has been sacrificed or shouldn't I eat the food that has been sacrificed? I mean, you always go through this struggle. At the same time, when you share with your families and relatives and people about Jesus Christ. You, so you, you, you are the sinner and there is only one way to come to the Father, which is to receive Jesus through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he will be offended. He will be yelling at you. He will be very upset. He'll be mad at you. And so you find out that when it comes together, there's just a lot of, a lot of these you know, conflicts, a lot of things that happen. So what is Christmas peace then? i tell you what the real peace is. The Christmas peace is not political peace. It's not internal peace. It's not relational peace. Christmas peace is a peace where the restoration is the most essential. Yet the most people don't understand that. No, we just send a song, you know, hark, hark. The herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. We just sang that song, right? Most people sing that there without understanding what they're really saying. Jesus came to bring shalom. He's coming to bring peace. What is that peace? It's the restoration between God and man. It's the restoration between the creator and the creation. That's the real peace that he's bringing to us. Yes, we may still have family disputes. Maybe we'll still have a traditional cultural differences. Maybe we'll still have a political difference. By the way, political things can separate people from one to another so quickly. You even mentioned that Israel and Hamas is going to have a World War III. So therefore, you think about what is the real peace? The real peace is where Ephesians 2, chapter 14, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 and 16, 18, we can... Look at this, we can read it real quick. For he himself is our peace. Saints, we're talking about we and him. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier? The dividing war of the hostility. Now here is talking about the backgrounds of Jews and the Gentiles, but it really applied to all of us. There's so much hostilities that the only way Jesus can bring that peace is by believing him, coming to him. That's what he says. And in one body to reconcile both them, both of them to God through the cross. So Jesus came to reconcile Gentiles to God as well as reconcile the Jews to God. So that reconciliation takes place because he came with that kind of a peace. That peace can reconcile us back to God. So that he came and preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those, and peace to those who were near, which is the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So, now, so far, I buy that. Okay, Jesus came. So how did he do it? 
This is what he came, but it wasn't free. Somebody had paid a price for it. It's not just say, okay, I'll come, and I'll bring it together. We'll go around the table. Everybody signed the dollar line. No, he has to pay a price. Somebody had to pay the price so these can be reconciled. Now, we know that the war during the World War II, you know, the Nazi Germans, the Hitlers, and thousands, the millions of people died because of that, because of the war. As this one person cost it. What about another person? What about another person? We are living in the century right now that any one of these crazy leaders can trigger the war, just like Hitler's during that time. The million people can die. In fact, it could be even more because the nuclear. And we're living in that. And I watch that every day. This man, this man, this man is okay, explode overnight. And so we have to ask yourself, what kind of a war did Jesus come as a commander? The commander Jesus, he came to the war, and this is what he came here for. He came to fight. He has a war with hosts of hell. He went to war against the false religions of men. He went to war against your rebellion and my rebellion. True. Maybe not your rebellion, but my rebellion for sure. So Isaiah 53 Five says this, his punishment brought us peace. You see, before we look at the peace, let's look at the punishment that you and I deserve. And he paid it. So the punishment that he paid brought us peace. By his wounds, we are healed. Now, I want to just focus you more and more back to Jesus, what he did, and what price he paid, what kind of a peace he gave it to us, and why we don't have the peace with him now. This is what I want to take you into that thoughts. Let's take a look. There's two kinds of people. One, I call them the, the people who really are seeking political, internal, relational peace this Christmas, but don't have peace peace with God. That's the first type. The other type I want to share later on is the one who really have a peace with God, but don't have a peace, don't have, have not experienced the real internal relational peace with themselves. Let's take a look at these two different type of people. The first one, again, it's very important that we look at what kind of a man, what kind of a uh, person that is that don't have peace with God. When we seek about political peace, internal peace, religional peace, all these peace, we're actually looking for a subjective and temporary peace. But if we look at come from Jesus, that's, well, that subjective peace is noble. It's good. People, a lot of people just say, well, let's go for it. Take a look. Jesus didn't want us to have the subjective peace about me, about what I want to conquer. How about the objective peace that is eternal, that is internal? Objective peace with your creator. During the Christmas time, many people receive many gifts, many presents. 
But God came with only one present, one gift. So therefore, do you really focus on the many gifts you receive from your friends and relatives and family? Or do you receive that one gift that's the most important? The gift is the peace through Jesus Christ. The secret of receiving that gift of peace is admitting you are at war with him. Now, before I go any further, let's take a look and see if that's really true. Okay? Are we really at war with him? If you receive a gift this time, you know, Christmas time, and, and people really bought you an iPhone 14, but you are actually looking for iPhone 17, guess what you do with that phone? You put it right in the box and return it, right? Get your money back. You don't look at the people, a lot of them don't even have 14. I don't have a 14 yet. I'm still praying for the 14. But anyway, you don't look at 14 because if you're thinking about 15 or 17, the 14 is nothing to you. So that's how we value gifts sometimes, even from God. Now, I remember the time that my wife is... She's so generous. She's always buying gifts and all this. So we have a family that with us and living in the restricted country. And we're not living there now. But anyway, at the time, they were with us. So we celebrate Christmas always together. Now, that family, obviously, they're very, very frugal, especially the, the husband. And so my wife loves to buy gifts for all the family, everybody, all the children. The children just can't wait until Christmas. They know. You know, and Jen's going to buy this gift. And Jen's going to buy that gift. They're all so happy. And Jen, way before I even know it, she started tucking away all the gifts. You know, she's just put in boxes and all that. So, so I'm saying that because she's, she's not really trying to hide from me. I just give her the responsibility to take care of the gifts. Anyway, so she bought a lot of gifts. And obviously, when they came to celebrate, everybody opened up one, two, three. Each one of them has got a set of five, you know. So, so everybody enjoyed this. When it, when it comes to me... They gave me a little gift, so small, I have to use magnifying glasses to see what it is. It's so tiny. And open it all up, it's going to just be a little pin here. Now, to be honest with you, I I'm a human being. I was a little disappointed. I said, look at how many gifts you got. You know, my wife just loved to buy your gifts. Look at what I have, you know. And every year it gets smaller. And I need magnifying glasses. And my eyes getting worse because I'm getting older. It keeps getting smaller. I got to go dum, 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 just to even see the gifts. Oh, I'm exaggerating a little bit here. But anyway, you can see that man's heart is sometimes so focused on the earthly things. We forgot about that one gift. That gift is Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, who came so we can have that peace. But at the moment when we receive that gift, we are actually at war with him. We don't appreciate him. We complain. We, 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 we're disappointed. We kind of backmouth somebody. We kind of just criticize. We kind of say, I don't care if he ever come back to my house for Christmas again. You see, we are at war with Jesus. Now, Romans 8, 7 says this. Let's see if we understand that. The natural mind is enmity against God. It will not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot Here's a radical statement. Our natural state outside of the work of the peace, 
of the Prince of Peace is hostility towards God. And it has been this way since the fall. Someone said this, the primary condition of our hearts is not ignorance so that you need education or indifference that you, so, so that you need motivation, but it, it rather hostility so that you need reconciliation. Where are today's advanced technology? We're just over, over educated ourselves. It's always equipping classes, equipping classes. I'm an equipper, so I love equipping classes. I'm not criticizing it. There's so many equipping classes and so many motivational gifts and speakers and so many conferences we go to. So we get more and more of these uh, 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 motivations so that we can we, we will not be indifferent. We get all these education so we're not being ignorant. But yet, how many people say we're going to have a class to speaker is not known for his motivation, it's not for his education, known for his education, but he is known for reconciliation. He's gonna bring the message of reconciliation to you. Now I want to see how many people attend that class. You see, the thing is, we forgot Jesus came so that we can be reconciled. Thank you. So here I want to just let you know the important things. We are today, we are living in the situation where sometimes the hostility with God is that we feel that he owes us. Sometimes we see that God is a God that we want that, we want him to be. We envision the kind of a God, oh, he's really tamed, he's really gentle, he's really kind and all that. So we would not offend anybody because God is a God of love. Even when there is righteousness involved and justice involved we still say our god is a tame our god is an easy god our god is a come so we we basically envision have an image god of our own and worse yet oftentimes this is something i want to share with you by encouragement i want to let you know that sometimes the worst enemy is we replace him to be the god we want us to be on the throne and the decision I made is only I can make that decision. Nobody can. And before we do that, we have to ask God, God, are you in this? Are you for this? See, a lot of people don't pray. They just make decisions. They make decisions based on their education, their knowledge or, or wisdom or even their experiences. But God wants us to make decisions before we make decisions, the first to seek Him and pray and wait on Him. So, therefore, we may sometimes make a God that is not Him, but us, you serve that rights to be the one that actually runs the life. We say, I'm the one that runs my life. You have no business to tell me what to do. So, because of that, we are in hostility with God. So, therefore, I want to let you know that people today... As we're celebrating Christmas, I want to just end with this. My life, I go through Christmas almost every year with joy. Honestly, I'm a joyful person. I was kidding a little earlier. I love to have a great time in Christmas time. And Christmas for me is just the best time. I don't celebrate Chinese New Year. I've been converted by my wife, I guess, in that sense. But when it comes to Christmas, I always enjoy this Christmas too. But look at the clothes I wear. You know, I just love Christmas. I want to celebrate Christmas. But there's a year where I just don't feel like celebrating at all. 
Do you have that year happen to you? It happened to me. It happened to me when the time one of my closest allies, my so-called spiritual son, that he raised, he was raised by us, and we poured life into them, financial support, and just everything, you know, helping them spiritually, everything. I mean, he was actually a little bit younger than me. He's in his 60s now. So he actually has a, has a ministry for 25 years. So I consider him, maybe he's the one can, I can pass the baton to. But long and behold, this is many, many years ago. It didn't happen just recently. But long and behold, I kind of bring a subject to him, kind of let him know that this something you is probably good for you if you do it because this is according to God's will. He got so offended because he didn't never had a good father in his life, so he turned against me. And long and behold, when he turned against me, he told everybody everything, every terrible thing about me to the people. I'm talking about the restricted countries, and so therefore these people didn't know because they had me teaching them for three years. And so I so, said, wait a minute, we don't understand that. How could he see said the things to you? How about you two get together? He said, you have doctrinal error. I said, okay, why don't we just be invite him? I'll sit down with him, we'll talk about it. But when the time comes, I went, he never showed up. I told all the leaders, I said, saints, I wanna let you know leaders, it's not a doctrinal issue. Most of the time when people have a problem with each other, they make it as a doctrinal issue, actually it's offense. It's a personal, it's a relational issue. I said, this particular situation, it is a relational issue because I confronted him, I told him he needs to do something, and now he turned, he turned against me. So long and behold, when we were leaving that place, we were supposed to meet, and the police came after us. They chased us, chased us. Finally, they caught me at the airport, and they hand, and basically handcuffed me and took me to the police. And he interrogated me day in and day out. They used sleep deprivation, they used food deprivation, deprivation. They don't want me, we're out totally emotionally drained so that I can spill the beans. I can tell everything bad thing about him because they not only arrest me, they want to arrest him too. <laughs> the police didn't care. You both are, both are bad guys because you both are Christians. We want to arrest both of you. So lo and behold, at the very end, I had a 10 officers surrounded me and they couldn't understand. This is, you look like you, seems like you are a smart guy. You came all the way from America, and you supported this, this guy. He's got money from you. By the way, he doesn't care your money because it's not enough. He found somebody else give him even more. I mean, you know how they try to provoke you to get you really angry, so eventually you were spilled out? You would just tell the bad thing about the other person? So I listened to the whole thing. I was just quiet because I saw Jesus was quiet during the movie. I saw the Passion of Christ. So I was quiet. I didn't say anything until they said, What's wrong? How come? You would do this stupid thing and let him, you gave everything to him and he betrayed you. What happened to you? You are not an idiot. You look like you're smart. You're from America. You graduated with high degrees. What happened? And they were almost like a screaming ionic at me. And finally, I looked up and I said to them, I said, I did it because I love him. I did it because I love him. You know, at that moment, you can hear the pin drop, just like right now. No one ever give another response. Even the police, as, as tough as they are, they can't deny the fact love is powerful. I was quiet. Long and behold, I was arrested on the uh, Good Friday. They kept me only for three days because they couldn't 
found enough evidence on me. They released me on the resurrection Sunday. Can we give God glory? Hallelujah. So therefore, I was able to see that all these things that God is talking about the peace. It is a peace for reconciliation. It's a peace that God will remove the barrier, remove all these barriers between the two people. Take us all the hostility out of it. I die for you on the cross. At that very, very moment, how you treated me, I still cry out to my father and say, Father, Father, forgive them because they did not know what they did. Even the last minute before he swallowed the last breath, he still said, forgive them. That's a, power of, that's a powerful love that is being expressed. That's, how, that's what grace is all about. So I just praise God. I choose to forgive. You know, to this day, it's been happening for 20 years now. To this day, I still love the man. I have never in my dream one time dream about him as being negative. It's always positive. Always we had a good time together. So come to the close. I want you to know that God want to give you the peace. It is from Colossians 3. Just the last scripture, then I will finish this. That verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Today, I want to just end the closest meeting to let you know, let the peace of Christ rule your heart today. Yes, there's a lot of things unfair to you. There's a lot of things that you feel that people really owe to you. A lot of things that really people did the things just to really get you back. Revenge, retaliate. People just want to humiliate you. But today, as I share my examples, I choose to forgive. I found out it's the power of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth that brought peace. He's the Prince of Peace. It is that peace that break the war. It is a peace remove the barrier. It is a peace that take away the hostility so that we can be reconciled. Let God prepare you for this Christmas. Let the peace is a peace of a reconciliation. Let the gifts is not many, many gifts, but that one gift. Don't look at under the Christmas tree, but look it up and say, God, you are the gift for me through your son, Jesus Christ. If God is speaking to you today, and if you have never ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this world is full of hostility. You will be going through struggles sometimes, especially during the holiday time. You find yourself hard to forgive, and you find yourself hard to, to go or to be motivated, like I was. When that time happens, I didn't feel like celebrating Christmas. But today, you think, God, I found peace through Jesus Christ. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior. Just like Timothy, he did it, I could do it too. I can receive Christ right now so I can walk in the power of reconciliation in my life. Now, as we're sharing this, I want every head bowed. And if you feel you are the one, that you really need Jesus Christ in your life. During this Christmas season, you find out it's very difficult for you. Sometimes you just feel lonely. Sometimes you feel depressed. Sometimes you feel discouraged. 
Sometimes you just feel that like a knife is cutting through your heart. Normally you didn't feel that way until Christmas comes because that reminds you how how it used to be and how it is now. If you are that person, you say, "God, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." How about you just kind of open your eyes, look up to me, so I can see you. I can know who you are. If you are the person, would you just give me just a little wave so I can see it? I want to just pray for you. I want to pray for you today. You can receive Jesus Christ. It helped me to walk in the power of forgiveness. It will help you too. If you are the person today, you feel God. Even though I had a peace with you, but I never personal encounter that true internal relational experience in my life. I want to experience it. I want the peace to come to you today. God want to speak to you today. God want to just bring the peace to you through His Son Jesus Christ. If you already give your life to the Lord, you say, "God, I want to experience that internal peace, eternal、uh, internal peace. I want to re- I want to experience that relational peace. I want a peace that can really make me smile. I want that peace can get me excited to celebrate Christmas. If you are that person, I want you to just raise your hands. Let me see where you are. I want to just pray with you. I saw some great hands raised. You are saved, but you say, "I need to experience.、It. I really want to experience it." I saw some hands raised. Today is a day. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day that you will receive that reconciliation, whether it's with your family, your relatives, your mom and dad, your brother and sisters, or your closest friend. That somehow the devil get in. And somehow cause a division. God said, "I will remove that division, that barrier, that hostility today through Son, through His Son Jesus Christ." Father, I praise you and thank you for this time. I thank you, God, that you give us such a desire as we are entering into the second advent, the advent of peace. Let us truly experience the sound of peace, the sound of a God that gives that peace. That peace comes from only through Jesus Christ. We all have sinned against you. We all have turned against you. In fact, we were many years at war with you. Even some of us, even now, we still complain and frustrate of our lives. Father, help us to come before you right now. Bring that peace to us. Bring that peace. Bring us back to the Word of God. The faith of God, bring us back to the cross, that we can receive the peace. I give you glory and honor and praise for what you have done already in our lives, when you are about to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's give God the glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this. Visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.